Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my left is Roy. We've had a lot of baseball this week. Dude, we've had a lot of baseball, a lot of a lot of good stuff. A tons and tons of on the major league level, tons of stuff on the minor league level. Um, but let's, we were both at the Chris Paddock game. Let's talk about that. Let's talk we about were, the major leagues for a minute. That was one of the most fun games I've attended, just from a pure baseball standpoint. How cranked up he was for that game how dominant he was how quick things moved along um i mean the 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 padres won yeah there was an energy in the in the park so even though there were a bunch of mets fans there the padres fans where there was a good back and forth with the fans with the chance going on but chris was so dominant out there and it's just i i just love watching him pitch so monday our 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 season tickets on monday are four rows behind the dugout um about two-thirds of the way down the dugout and like you watched, I mean, just to enter, you could feel it. I mean, I don't know if it were just, we're just, just projecting all this stuff, but like he walked up that mound and you're like, I want to go to war. I just like, I, yes. I want to run through a wall for that I guy. I want to run through a wall for that guy. Yeah. And you could feel that. And you know, the team could feel it. And it's funny sitting, sitting kind of right there. You get to watch these guys are all, everyone's on the top step. Everyone's ribbing each other. Everyone's farting around. Everyone's relaxed, having a good time. There's a different energy to the major league team that uh, that I haven't seen. Yeah, we're winning, but there's just a, the youthful vibrance of Fernando Tatis. Um, you know, Matt Strom was farting around with guys. And then you see Manny, he's the, he's the ringleader of the whole damn thing in the dugout. I wasn't, we were, so Angela upgraded our tickets um, and we were sitting kind of behind home plate. So I wasn't over close enough to see what was going on in the dugout very much. Oh, that's right. You were there. You weren't over in your seats in the dugout. Yeah. 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 I mean, we watched the warmups over there, but then we walked over and we were um, in the, I think, 103 section. Um, but yeah, I, it, watching where he was and seeing how off balance the, pit, the batters were. Yeah. Uh, watching them take pitches for strikes. And it, he was just, he was on his game. Yeah. I wanted to see, I'm an Andy Green fan, unlike Liddy. I like right. Andy Green. I generally agree with his decisions. I wished he would have left Chris in for one more batter. He was at 91 pitches. Okay. Pete Alonso was coming up. You got two outs. Let him face Pete one more time. Give him like five pitches <laughs> and let him take him out one more time. And do you, well, and here's the thing about that is like, you could tell there's, you know, there's something I've learned. It's their emotion like that. Like I heard, I'm sorry to say this, but I heard Sweeney say it, but like he, Peter Alonzo, I love that player. He's a young, great prospect. Um, but he wanted to hit anything that he was thrown at. Like he was gonna swing it, he was gonna swing with the fences. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where, you know, Chris really got into his head with that. And as in, in I don't know the right word is innocuous, but it was like it wasn't as throw down as like, I'm gonna beat your tail. It's like I'm coming after you. Yeah, like I'm like I'm. It's my job. I'm the pitcher. I'm coming after you. That is healthy competition to me. Yeah, and that's I, how it should be. That I'm going to go yeah. out there. You're going to give me your best, and I'm going to give you my best and bring it. So I noticed that the the in the second at bat, the first pitch that Chris threw was a curveball. So I'm sure he was up there thinking fastball, watching for fastball change, yeah. and then something different came out of his hand, and he took it for a strike. Yeah, and I that's how Chris is. So there have been a couple good articles that came out this week about Chris Paddock, his arsenal, how he uses it. And one was talking about his curveball, and they were talking about um, chase rate. But I don't know if that really applies either for the curve or for the change because he throws them both for strikes. Yeah. So it's not like he's – typically people throw change up, start it in the zone, have it die out, and so they're swinging at stuff that's out of the zone. That's not how he uses them. He, and he doesn't get strikeouts with the curveball because he uses it to set the other pitches up. Right. It's a setup pitch. So he'll throw it early in the count. 
and he throws it for strikes. So it's not a swing and miss. It's a, I'm going to hit you with something you're not looking for, and you're just going to watch it hit the strike zone. Yeah, change that fastball, change that. Oh, that's a curveball. Oh, it's a strike. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm down 0-2, and, and what is he going to throw? Yeah. Good luck. And then here comes that front door change up that gets Ugh. you to buckle your elbows a little bit, and then it catches the edge of the zone. It I love it. you into the ground. Oh, my God. He's so good. And what I loved about that game is it was two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. Even next, so the guys to my left are season ticket holders. The guys behind us are season ticket holders. And, and we're like, we should be home by like nine o'clock. It's like this game's going to be over pretty quick. Yeah. I For a Monday night game. Thank you yeah. very much. I had to go to work the next morning. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. I woke up at 440 the next morning. On behalf of both pitchers. Because Jacob DeGrom, that was the other reason why he was pumped up was yeah. that I'm going up against the Cy Young Award winner. Yeah. And I'm going to show that I'm just as good. Yeah, and it, he he was the better man that day. Yeah, and really not by much, but I mean, Degrom was just throwing eighty, ninety eight, ninety seven, just BBs. And did you notice the fastest pitches that Chris threw were all against uh, Alonzo? Alonzo, right? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't notice that. But it's funny because I went to a game. Uh, I went to a game in two thousand five, uh, PV versus Clemens. It was an hour and fifty three minutes. We won two zero, but it was like one up, two, three, done. One up, two. Three, done. I oh, love it. Nine hits, two runs in the whole game, and it was over in under two hours. There, was, The Pitching Ninja put out a, a, a gif, and it was like Chris Paddock, um, pace of play enforcer, because he was standing there on the mound in his set position like ready. Yeah. And as the batter's adjusting his gloves and whatever, and it, and as soon as the second foot stepped in the box, here we go. Here comes the pitch. I just, I love it. You know, Randy Jones loves that. Yeah, absolutely. He, quick worker. You know, it's funny. Just real, real quick. I saw the tweet. I think it was yesterday where um, Dansby Swanson was taking a little bit of time to get in the batter's box, and he was adjusting his bat and kind of like hitting, hitting his feet and kind of like Norman Gustafara almost took a little bit long. And then Kershaw was there, and then he gets in the box, and the Kershaw was like pissed. He steps off. It's like, ah, yep. Ah, you know, let's let's go. Let's let's. Ah, let's go. I saw Will Myers doing that in one of these recent, one of these last couple games where he's in the box ready and the pitcher's taking forever. And then you yeah. step out and I get that. Yeah. And you can only be standing there ready for so long. Yeah. And then you call timeout. But, but I uh, think the umpires need to enforce that a little bit more. There are rules in the book that say what the pitcher and the batter have to do to be ready. And the umpire has the authority to call a ball or a strike as necessary. And it just isn't enforced. It was, you're not supposed to step out of the batter's box, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, you're supposed to be in the box in a certain period of time. You're not supposed to step out. Yeah. There's little rules about that. And then the same thing for the pitcher. They're supposed to deliver the ball in a certain period of time. And then there's all the caveats, no, no runners on base, this and that. But still, you see these pitchers that they're standing there for 25-plus seconds just holding the ball. Yeah. Getting ready, whatever. Mentally get ready. And I they've, done, they've looked at the numbers. And yeah the high velocity pitchers take longer between pitches and there's a whole science behind it, but right with, with injury and like freaking you, get a move on. Yeah. But it was nice to get out of there nice and early. We'd go home and watch a little TV before I had to go to bed. It sure was. Um, and one other thing real quick before we start, uh, before we get to batting lead off and get into the minor league, uh, Chris from the Turner compare podcast showed up this. Yes, he did. Chris he, and his wife were out there on a little ballpark tour. Yeah. So they went to Phoenix. I think they went Phoenix they the and then Yankees here and then home. Diamondbacks and then came on Friday. They're from the Milwaukee area. Yeah. Originally from Gary, Indiana. Both of them. Gary, Indiana. Yeah. Gary, so Indiana. Angela and I met up with him with them and uh, Padres Geekster before the game. 
So we hung out for a little bit, and then oh, you gave him a ride home from the airport. I, I, I totally Ubered the guys around. I picked him up at the airport because I had to work that day. I couldn't hang out. I picked him up at the airport. I drove him up to a Jimmy Carter's, his local uh, Mexican food restaurant in uh, Hillcrest. And we had lunch on him, and uh, we had a little more time, so I drove him up through. Well, going up there, I drove him up through Balboa Park and said, "This is like our cultural center." Even as a you know San Diego, we come here and hang out. It's a cool place to be. Uh, we hit up the Mexican food shop. Then I drove down to Hard Rock, where you're going to meet him. Like, here's where you're going to be. Uh, take your Uber or don't. You know, don't those scooters. Those things stink. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then I went off to work, and then the next day I woke up early. And gave him, he met you guys, went to the game, which was that Friday game, and although it was a loss, was a, was a good game to see if you're not emotionally attached. <laughs> if you're it was not, a really good game. Yeah. If you're not emotionally attached, that was a really good game. And it, I mean, just as a baseball fan, it was a good game, but it sucked that we lost. Um, woke up the next day, and they had kayaking at like 7.30 in the morning. So I got up early and gave him a ride up there instead of, oh, having, to, cool. instead of having to pay for an Uber. And I got to talk about the game and a little more hangout with those two guys. Nice. Super nice. Yeah, super cool guy. Uh, his his latest episode uh, is um, one of the executives for the Oakland A's. I was listening to it on the way to work this morning. Really cool. Uh, his podcast, guys, isn't a Padres podcast, although he's had Clayton Richards on. He, he, he'll he get minor leaguers from all organizations and executives for all organizations. He had the uh, the spokeswoman for uh, the Portland like the the group that wants to have her team go up to Portland, Oregon, um, other minor leaguers in the system, and uh, he just got the A's executive, which was huge. He um, does a great job, and it's just him. Yeah, it's, it's him just by him. himself. He says it's a turn up hair podcast. Definitely we, worth a listen. We talked a little shop. I said this is what we do. He when he does his interview, he has his phone up against the. I don't want to give you the trade trade secrets. Away. Yeah, he uses a Yeti. Uh, so. So I showed him what we do, and like this is what we do. It's so much easier with interviews. It's so much easier with uh, with two people uh, instead of having to hold your phone up to the microphone and go like, "Hey, so how's this going on?" And then you hold your phone up. Um, it's just a, it sounds crisper and cleaner, and his podcast sounds really good. It does. Like, I didn't know he was doing that until he told me. Yeah, I had no idea. But thank you, guys. That's some strong banter there. But let's get it going. So he brought us some merch. He brought us a couple of hats. He, I did, right. He gave us all hats. Did you give you a hat? I got a hat. I well, got now a hat. we have some merch of our own. We do have some merch of our own, and it has come to fruition. And you guys saw it on Twitter. The Dominate the Day uh, t-shirts are on sale at T-Chip. Uh, go to uh, Friars on the Farm podcast on, on Twitter. The, the link is on the podcast. I have the link on my Instagram account, but it doesn't have that. Like you have to. Oh, you have to select it. You have, and to, then... you have to just copy it and then paste it. Um all the money we're sending there to the booster club. And so far we've done pretty good. Uh, I, I think it's going to, it's going to pick up. The shirts are freaking cool as hell. I mean, it came out really good with uh, Mackenzie's. Obviously it's Mackenzie Gore's uh, silhouette or likeness uh, as the eye and dominate. Um, really cool. You guys picked those up. Uh, it's it's like the glove is the dot on the eye. Yeah. He's at the top of his of his, of his, uh, you know, with the little high leg kick and all that. So those are and out then on get... the back. It says Friars on the farm, so we can do a little self advertising. Which then I kind of like. I should have had podcast on there, but at least go, if you Google Friars on the farm, all the podcast stuff comes up. Yep, which is cool. Um, and also I may have some more information a little bit later on. Uh, on some other stuff that we're trying to do with uh with the Lake Snowstorm. Storm. Oh, pretty cool. That'll come up in the next episode. But let me start over again. Batting leadoff. Uh. Old news, new news to us, but old news for everyone else. Alex Dickerson was brought up to the big league club this last week. 
Uh, in 24 games at AAA El Paso, he was hitting 360, 462, and 593 with five homers, uh, 19 RBIs, 13 walks against 17 strikeouts. Now, I've been a big fan of Dickinson when he was with the league, when he was with the team a couple years ago. I think he has the fastest bat speed uh, on the 25, man. I think he has fastest bat speed ever. Well, and, with Tatis and Machado, I don't know if I'm going to go there now, but I, 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 he's got he's got quick hands. But what impressed me was the plate discipline. Yeah, that he had a fantastic eye at the plate. He was able to foul pitches off. Um, he, I'm talking back in 2016 yeah. when he had that hot couple months that he looked balanced and comfortable. Um, he was hitting the right pitches. Yeah, and uh, and and he wasn't looking like he was swinging. You know, trying to go all out. He was a, it was a balanced swing. He was hitting line drives and he's just so strong that when he barrels one up, it's out. So it's kind of like Fran Mill and Renfro and, and Will Myers too, that they're strong enough that if they just get a hold of one and they get it on the right line, it's out of the park. Yeah. But he really seemed to have that balance down. So now he's back up. Um, it's been a small sample so far, so he hasn't done a whole lot yet. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm, we're, I'm just happy that he's back after two yeah. years being out of the league and all the injury stuff that he's gone through. Absolutely, he was a uh, you know, he lost the 17 and 18 season to back and elbow surgeries. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery. He got back from the back surgery, and the, then had Tommy John. <laughs> Tommy John. Yeah. Uh, he was taken up for 40 man, and was like, okay, we're probably like even I knew them. We're probably going to sign him to a minor league deal, and that's what we did this off season. We signed him to a minor league deal. Um, this came from an interview that he had with. Uh, East Village Times, I could not have drawn it up any better as far as being up here in a month. It has been a wave of emotions uh, on, you know, on getting back into re- from the rehab. It was a long road. Two years full of being out of games feels like an eternity. That's from the East Village, uh, East Village Times pod, uh, East Village Times. Hello. Um, and thank you, James, for letting us use that. So we're moving on. All right, so the injury news that we have here. <laughs> and roster updates. Injury and roster news. updates, it's, yes. It's, um, so Adrian Morajon is in Amarillo and throwing. Um, according to Padres minor league pitching coordinator Eric Jungi, who is, the sod, who is with the Sod Poodles, Morajon has not experienced any recurrence of the shoulder pain that sidelined him, but the organization has also not set a date for his return to the mound. This feels awfully familiar to what we had last year, that yeah. he had – a, a neck, a shoulder, a back. There were different things that were, and it was nothing concrete. And it seemed like he would be out for an indiscriminate amount of time. Then he'd be back in for a few games. He'd start looking good and then he'd get hurt again. So I'm hoping that this is just a bump in the road that smooths out later this season, but <sighs> it's getting to be once it's an incident twice, it becomes a pattern. Um, obviously nothing serious, but mm-hmm. being over over optimistic, over cautious, with him uh, after maybe not doing so well um, gives me the, gives me the pause. Um, one of the things with all this pitching we had, like the beginning of the season, we're like, God, what are we going to do with all these pitchers? Everyone's gone down. I mean, yeah. bias is down more hones down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Osvaldo Hernandez is down. And well, people complain about the big league bullpen, but then you're missing Castillo. Now Wingenter's out. Nobody expected Stock to to decline like he did. So yeah, you, you can't have too much pitching. You can never have too much pitching. So so we say mm-hmm. you could never have too much pitching. And uh, but it's just we really I really want him to get going. Uh, and you know even if 
everything winds, you know, everything that plays out that he becomes a, a long relief guy or a bullpen guy. Uh, I well, know we want him to be a starter. It's way too early to start talking about that kind of stuff. I mean, with Anderson Espinosa undergoing the knife a second time for Tommy John, yeah. then that's, you know, hopefully he has some future in baseball. But with Morihone, he's, I mean, he's young. He's, he has never had any major like surgeries or anything yeah. like that. So he still should be able to come back and be, yeah, this isn't a major injury. This he's is just 20 yet, right? Yeah. Oh, his shoulder got a little tight. Yeah. And so let's let's give him a week off. That's yeah. uh, hopefully that's all that this was. Let's hope that's all it was. So the big so we got good news from the big league club. Uh, Miguel Diaz uh, worked three solid innings in his first rehab appearance of the year. The 24 year old righty had knee surgery early in spring training, showed a little rust in the outing, falling behind the first four batters he faced and issuing back to back walks in the second inning. But overall, Diaz worked effectively. Uh, he'll likely get a few more appearances before joining the mix as a multi-inning option for the Padres. Now, that was an extended spring training, right? It must have been. I thought maybe it was in double A, but... I, I don't remember where I, what level I read that at. Anyway, the fact that he's back pitching yeah. and it's multiple innings, yeah. that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, so, Ryan Weathers was scratched from his scheduled start and put on the disabled list, and he traveled to San Diego to have his arm examined. The team's top pick in 2018 left his last outing after two innings with what the organization later described as a bicep spasm. There's no more info available at this point, uh, hoping this is just a young arm getting used to pro ball. So I, I put that in there. Just hopefully, it's as as much as the having a major league dad as a dad. This is still pitching a lot for a young guy, mm-hmm. and hopefully, it's just that's what happens. You yeah, know? it's young guys pitching professionally in a professional. Rotation in professional bullpen. Yeah, you know, I mean, just all the throwing that goes along with it. Kind of the same thing with Mackenzie Gore. With like, we're hoping that the that the blisters were just a guy that's not used to throwing so much, and there's a different baseball or different seams. Um, just a bump in the road. Yeah, I mean that happens to big leaguers. That happened to Rich Hill for a while. He was derailed yeah. with recurring blister problems. Yeah. So I find it interesting that they brought him back to San Diego to be examined. That they didn't just you know take a look at him in Fort Wayne and then give him some rest there that they brought him here to take a look. So I'm not sure what that means. I I tend to read too much into these kinds of things. Um, But being that he's a top prospect or, you know, whatever, a top draft pick from last year, they're, they want to have their best people look at him. Right. And then also maybe take a hey, stop by and watch a game. with. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's an opportunity for him to be around the pros and kind of see, okay, Cause he's you might dominating. be here in a couple of years, so see what it's like. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, and he's dominating in, in the Midwest League, even if still as cold as it is, as it is. Well, he's from Tennessee. It gets cold in Tennessee. It does, but not like not like upper, like northern, northern Indiana cold. That's true. Um, moving on, roster notes. Alfred de Jorge Ona is on the disabled list, retroactive to the weekend. This is uh, on the 7th, two days ago. Uh, the Padres promoted Taylor Callway. I said that correctly. Uh, who went 14 for 26 last week after being moved to first base. So he was a right outfielder. They moved him to first base. He just tears it up, and he won Cali League Player of the Week. Yeah. So good for Taylor Callway earning a, earning a promotion. Yeah. Um, and I, I find it interesting. He had never played first base ever. I don't know if he'd taken reps in practice, but at at any level, high school, whatever, he'd never played first base. And then all of a sudden he's playing there for a whole week and he takes to it like a duck out, a duck yeah. takes to water and he was hitting yeah. just the same. So maybe this opens an opportunity for him. Who knows? Well, absolutely. Well, I asked Kevin, Kevin Charity from Mad Fries. I'm like, so why did, 
you know, why did they move from outfield to, I was thinking maybe a defensive or whatever, uh, it's positional need. He's like, because well, we need first baseman. Because you look, they've got Jason Rosario, Tirso Ornelas, um, um, Jack Sawinski, Robbie Podorski. Yeah. Those are four really good outfielders. Right, right. And Colway's good as well, but then you look over at first base, and the game that I was at, they had Olivier Basabe. I think at both games that I've attended so far, Olivier yeah. Basabe was playing. He was playing first, first base, the, uh, and he's more of a Tuesday. second base, third base, a little bit of shortstop kind of guy. So there was a need. All right. So next, Hansel Rodriguez will come off the disabled list and join Lake Elsinore. Well, he joined Lake Elsinore last Tuesday. Um, he had elbow issues throughout much of much of last year. He joins Jordan Guerrero, who made a season debut to bolster a storm bullpen that has already been a strength for the club while all the shuttling of the system leaves an open spot on the Elsinore roster for the moment. Now, Jordan Guerrero is a large, large man. I saw it. Okay, so Tuesday I went to the game, and we're going to have that. We're going to talk about that later. He's a very large man. I saw. I remember seeing him in spring training, and it's you see all these kids. Yeah. All these early 20s kids, and then every once in a while you see a, a body, and you go, that guy's different. Yeah. And he was, I, I think he's listed at like 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, and 295 pounds. Yeah. And it's he's like Fran Mil Reyes, and he's that imposing of a character with shoulders like this, and he's not heavy, he's just a big built he's dude. A, he's a big boy. Uh, so I was out there by the bullpen watching uh, Luis pitch or Luis throws bullpen, and then him and Jordan Guerrero they walk up, and it's like you kind of look to the left, you're like, see the skinny kid on the mound. You look to the right, you're like this Andre the Giant, you know, Dominican, just like holy cow. Um, but that was cool. That was really cool. So Hansel Rodriguez, he came to the Padres for Young Ever Solarte. Yeah. I believe I'm re- recalling that correct. No, no. That goes up back before that. What was the deal? Now I'm now I'm forgetting it. No. Oh, my goodness. We got him in the Will Myers trade. No. It was some. I'll have to look that up. All right. Let's keep on going. Let's keep moving. So last... he's a guy that came to the organization a while ago. He's been with the Padres for like a year and a half, two years. And he wow. hasn't really done anything, and, but he came to the Padres being a pretty good player. We were hoping for for a bunch. Uh, someone tell us what happened there. I, I, I you're right. I, it, I thought he came over in a trade. Um, so right. So the last few days have been really busy for the Tin Caps as they shuttle their pitching staff. Uh, Nick Kuja and left-handed pitcher Cody Tyler came down a level from Lake Elsinore to help the Tin Caps bullpen. Tyler earned the save Monday night for Fort Wayne. Uh, Fort Wayne is his third assignment for both already this year. Yes, Melvin Upton. Melba. That's what it was. Melly. Um, they replaced jo- Jonathan Guzman, 24, who was released, and right-handed pitcher Tom Coletti, who heads back to extended spring training. Tom Coletti was struggling. Yeah? Yeah, he was. He he just did the little podcast for the Tin Caps in their opening day, you know, their opening of their pregame stuff. Okay. That was really cool. So I, Nick Kuja has already been bounced around a couple of times. I wonder if that's just how he's going to be this year, that he's just going to be the fill-in. We have an open roster spot for the next week because somebody's hurt Yeah, and go. But you, you impress enough people and you have an opportunity. His friend of the podcast, Nick Kuja. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting, oh. uh, getting the shuttle, getting the mileage. Hopefully he's getting a little uh, little podcast bump too. Right. Well, that and the miles that he gets from all the slaying. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, collect, you collect airline miles. You do. You I hope to... they always fly the guys on the same airline. So then you're not like if you fly American this week, United next week, Delta, then you never collect enough of any one mile. But to hear more about that, listen to H.J. Prowler's new podcast about uh, maximizing points and miles. I tried looking for that in the intelligence arena. It's, it's called Making a Points Millionaire, and it's a separate thing. 
And they're using Sheila Higgins? It's him and Shelly Higgins. Okay, Shelly, okay. Yeah, and so they've recorded one episode so far, and it's just kind of an introductory, you know, here's what to know before you even go in, and a couple of little homework things for Shelly. Uh, and they set a goal that they want with Southwest, if you get a million points in a calendar year, then you get a companion pass. So uh-huh. for the next year, you buy one ticket, a companion gets to fly with you for free. Hmm. So their goal right now is to get her to a million points on that, as well as a whole bunch of other things. Wow. It's, it's an interesting thing. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail this, but derail. yeah, yeah. Collect those miles, rack them up, Nick, so then you can take an, uh, uh, a vacation in the off season. Absolutely. So let's round out the injuries. and Cody and, Tyler, right? And uh, <laughs> let's round out the injuries and roster move with uh, Eric Longenhagen from Fangrass tweeted uh, Tuesday: Padres conversion arm Javi Guerra was was just ninety five ninety seven slider eighty four eighty seven and twenty six hundred um, RPMs flashed plus. They might have something here. Yeah. So the fact that he's he's been throwing for what two or three weeks now. Yeah. And he's already showing a slider that has the potential to be a plus slider, and he's throwing a fastball that with easy arm motion is high nineties. Yeah. That you can plug that into a bullpen real easy. And don't have to spare the forty man roster because he's on there. Yes. Also, also with that tweet was uh, was the YouTube video of his inning. I watched it. Yeah, I only watched the first little bit. I watched his warm-up pitches. I didn't have, you know, I didn't take the time to watch the whole thing. Yeah. How did he look on the mound? Did he look like the he mannerisms, looked, should the general, did he look like he knew what he was doing up there? Yeah, yeah, he looked like he knew what he was doing. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm not an evaluator by any stretch of the imagination, but just by purely uh, guys were swinging at pitches, guys were hitting pitches, nothing really, it, it's a really small video, like just catcher, you know, barely the batter and then him pitching. Uh, not a lot of arms going out of the camera angle. So he was like, wasn't throwing balls way off, way off. So it looked pretty good. And if you can throw 98, and I saw the slider a couple times and it looked, it had break to it. Yeah, I saw him throw the slider in the warmups. And, and you, you see it come out of his hand and dart, dart to the right. Yeah. So he's on the 40 man. I've got to think that their goal is to get him up to the big leagues by the end of the year. Maybe with September roster expansions or something like that. Because I don't know how you take a 40-man roster spot and use it for an experiment like that and just burn that spot all oh, year. year. Especially he, with the way they're handling the pitching staff at the major league level. Especially what we've already seen is the bullpen, uh, unfortunately, blow several winnable games. Yeah. And yeah. It's, so we yeah. are – and this is – to kind of go back to it real quick before we move on. That's how – you. that's what this year is going to be about is figuring out – just piecing this – these games together through the bullpen. I don't think Adam Warren's going to be, you know, long for the bullpen like next year, the year before, the year later. Um, Loop, like there's some guys in there I think are just holding spots uh, for us to really f- wait for some of these guys to come up. Mm-hmm. Your Gerardo Reyes, you know. Um, I, I say you can't see me doing this little twisty thing on on the podcast, but it's like, and even a Phil Maton, I'm not I'm not sure how long he is for the bullpen with uh, what seems to be he's getting hit often. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, last year there were guys like uh, uh, Colton Brewer, um, Trevor McGill. There were some guys that came up and got limited time, and then for one way or another, they were out of the organization after the year. I like Phil Maton. I'd like to see him find the command again and become successful again because he showed glimpses of looking good. Luis Perdomo has all of a sudden looked like a legit option in the bullpen. So, But it's true. There's... You've got a rotation of young guys that are all on limits of one form or another. So you, you're leaning so heavy on the bullpen, and then the bullpen's showing some weakness and some fatigue. It's, 
it's it's tough. So I have some admiration for what these guys are doing, for what Balsley and, and Andy Green are doing just to patchwork together the yeah. pitching rotation so far. Yeah. They've, and, they've leaned heavily on optioning guys. They've had some creative uh, desi- uh, disabled list assignments. It's it's a chess game. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm also an Andy Green fan. I don't, I don't subscribe to the fact that he's just killing these games. He's doing the best he can. And a lot of this, and he said this, has been designed. Like, this isn't stuff like, okay, we're going to do this this way. This is how we're going to do it. And then we have to make the adjustments as the season goes on. Yeah, and when Chris Paddock was pulled, he was pulled at 91 pitches. Yeah. And apparently he's on a hard 90-pitch count. Like, 90, period, you're out of the game. Yeah, and he went into the seventh inning. Yeah. So that, that's a testament to his efficiency. Yeah. First pitch strikes, just pounding the strike zone, and I'm going to come at you and get you out. Absolutely. So let's let's move on. We're almost done, almost into affiliate rundown, folks. Uh, Anderson Espinoza, Dennis Lynn wrote an article on players coming back from uh, multiple Tommy John surgeries. Uh, Dr. Brian Schultz, an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar Sinai, uh, Sinai uh, Kerlin Joby Institute, uh, and a team physician for the Los Angeles Angels, Schultz said the latest research shows that after a first time UCL reconstruction, about eighty percent of professional baseball players return to their previous level or progress beyond it. The success rate after a revision surgery is what they call that second surgery, um, represents a dip, though not a massive one. A study published last year in the Journal of Shoulder and Elbow Surgery, boy, that's a that's a page turner. Um, renewed 93, uh, reviewed 93 revision surgeries and found that roughly 63% of those players returned to their prior rung of competition. The vast majority of revision surgeries have occurred over the past several years, concurrent with the continued rise of overall Tommy John surgery numbers. A limited numbers of pitches, uh, pitchers like Nathan Navaldi, Chris Campuano, Tyler Chatwood uh, come to mind, have managed to enjoy at least modest results in major league rotations after a second Tommy John surgery. More patients have been compelled to return in bullpen roles. So Nathan Eovaldi, he's currently shut down with arm issues. Yep. Before the season, he was somebody I wanted the Padres to go after, but now I'm kind of glad that they didn't. Yeah. So a second Tommy John surgery. I, did you read this article? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Every surgery is different. And so you can look at the whole, at the data, because there's a website that tracks this and it's got like the entire history of every pitcher that's ever had, every professional pitcher that's ever had a Tommy John surgery, how long their recovery was. And it's pretty interesting. It's like a Google Docs spreadsheet that you can access. Wow. Kind of interesting. You're a nerd. I am. That's uh, so nerdy cool. But every surgery is different. Sometimes they'll take a cadaver ligament to patch it in there. Sometimes okay. there's enough living tissue that all they have to do is a repair, you know, take the torn tissue and sew it back together. I, I'm sure that there's a lot of, there's a, there's a broad spectrum of exactly what they had to do when they go in there. Yeah. So not knowing anything about what it was like, what comes to mind was uh, when Adrian Peterson had his knee injury in football and the doctor came out and said, I've never seen such a healthy knee. His knee looked like a 18 year old's knee, even though he, the, whatever 10 year running back career. But you don't know what it, we don't know what, what Anderson Espinosa's elbow looks like. Right. All we can do is cross our fingers and hope for the best. And we are crossing our fingers and hoping for our best. And at the very least, when it comes back in 2020, that's, that's another arm we don't need to trade for. That's another arm we don't need to sign in the off season. Well, it won't be 2020 
It'll probably be 2021. 20, 21. Well, it, so Denelson Lamette underwent Tommy John a year ago this time. Yeah. Because he, he tried to rehab it a little bit. And now he's back pitching on a mound, but he was a major league pitcher before he had a surgery. Right. He was already in, you know, mature shape. Where Anderson Espinosa is 21 years old. He's still filling out. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a different schedule for him. I had imagined it's going to be, I mean, Chris Paddock took two years to come back. I'd imagine it's going to take that long, if not longer for Espinosa. And they're going to be even more cautious than and, they were this time. Right. He even just looks wrong. Okay. We're shutting you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of this article, it said that, you know, he has youth on his side. He's super young still. Um, and a lot of the article came with uh, Kirby Yates' brother. Oh yeah. 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 Had He's... the second Tommy John. Yeah. And, and flamed out pretty quickly. And that's where kind of like the bulk of that article was written about uh, talking to Kirby and his brother's experience with that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But let's get into the affiliate rundown. Uh, El Paso. So for the single, the best way to celebrate Secret of Mile is with some margaritas. Uh, the the uh, El Paso margaritas, uh, they displayed there for the first time this season, their um, Copa de Division. I was not ready for those uniforms. I was, <laughs> did you see what I wrote here? Yeah. Woof. Woof. <laughs> um God. Neon green highlighter. Let me just say these things. We love El Paso. We love El Paso. Like Eric with, with Mud. Like, I, I love El Paso. We love the Chihuahuas. Those uniforms were neon banana. Yeah, they were designed to attract attention. Yeah. And so and that they did. Yeah. So they did their job. I don't know how much merchandise they're going to sell with those crazy colors. Oof. But uh, it, it definitely drew some headlines. Absolutely. And I love the fact that they're participating. Yeah. I mean, they could almost participate with the Chihuahuas, but, you know, to come with the margaritas. And in that game, they had, they gave away these, these same colored umbrella hats um, with the white and that awful neon yellow. Um, but it was still cool to see them come out. And it's the first time that they've done it. Uh, and, and good for them. So for the double for El Paso, um, Logan Allen was a top prospect performers for the M for the MLB pipeline. Uh, Logan Allen, number nine MLB and number 70 overall, uh, number nine for the Padres, right? And then number 70 overall, mm-hmm. uh, six innings pitch, two hits, zero runs, three base on balls, seven Ks. He's finally gotten back on track. He is. And listen here, Monday, Allen 21 turned perhaps his finest start this season as he allowed five base runners over six scoreless innings while matching a season high in strikeouts with seven. After a rocky start to a season, the left-handers rebounded to post a 1.83 ERA over his last four starts with 20 strikeouts and three walks in 19 or two-thirds frames. Here's what I think. They sent Cal down, which we're going to get into just a moment here. When it comes time for a rotation spot again, I would not be surprised if they just gave him a spot start. Or very soon in the future that Logan Allen gets an, gets his first taste. So the tricky part there is the roster move that an opening needs a spot needs to be open on the forty man right. to make room for him. But absolutely, I and mean, we were all hoping that these guys would be in the mix coming out of spring training. Absolutely, be in the rotation. And I thought you were going to say the tricky part is to see make sure that John Cena can be in San Diego to give him the dollar when he does start. Oh, they will make that happen. <laughs> I find it so interesting. So to go off on another tangent, yeah. so Dennis Lynn wrote another article about the Padres' new left-handed batting practice pitcher. Yes. Did you I, see that? Yes. And it happened to be one of those three gentlemen that was having that dinner in, in Florida. It was John Cena, this gentleman. I don't forget his – I don't right. remember his name. And then 
there were th- three childhood friends. So John Cena, this guy who's now the the left handed batting practice, practice pitcher for the Padres, and then the other friend is a manager of a restaurant downtown in San Diego called Rabbit Volcano or Volcano Rabbit. Yeah, he's the manager of the restaurant right down there. Really? Yeah. So all three. So those two guys, and then Logan Allen. So when he makes his MLB debut and John Cena comes to town, those three guys will get to get together again. And Rabbit Volcano, that's a restaurant? Volcano Rabbit, yeah. Volcano Rabbit. Yeah, I, it used to be a Mexican, like a high-scale Mexican restaurant, and it's fairly new, kind of trendy and with the name and all that. But I got to check it out now. Yeah, it makes me want to go down there and see what Volcano Rabbit. Well, yeah, the night after the night after uh, Logan Allen's first start, we're gonna go there after the game. Yeah, <laughs> good chance you know who you're gonna see there if you can see John Cena. Yeah, so Logan Allen, thank goodness. I mean, just thank God because this is what we wanted to see in spring training. This is what we wanted to see in the rotation opening day. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing, you know, n- nothing. You know, it's not our plan. It's it's the plan of the universe whatever you want to call it um i think it's just going to make him a better pitcher sure he's still 21 damn years old he'll be 21 i think all season um so it's fantastic to get him going and thank god just oh, we can all breathe breathe yeah pitch through some adversity logan allen's and now he's back on track so uh, they've used cal quantrill to space out the the rotation. Yeah. They've they have a six man rotation without really having a six man mm-hmm. rotation. Everybody's pitching on at least six days of rest. Yeah. And I, I talked about this last time we got together. Yeah. So they've used Cal now to spread that out a little bit. And I could see them doing that again with with Logan Allen once that once the opportunity yeah. shows up. Yeah. And they're gonna need more guys than that. So as the season progresses, some of those other some of that other cream is gonna boil up to the top. Some are gonna be good, some are gonna be great, some are gonna stay, some are gonna be you know, they're just, we need, what, 12, 13 pitches to get through, maybe even more for us with a six-man kind of idea. Well, yeah, and you've got guys like Strom and Paddock that, you know, once they hit like 120, 140 innings, something like that, they're probably going to get cut off. Yeah. So the last couple months of the season, we might be seeing a bunch of new faces filling in there. I, God, you know, just to think about that again, guy, we've talked about the Major League team a lot this episode, but it is, it's kind of cool. If, if we plug in Cal and Logan... The last month and a half, maybe half, whatever, and get those guys five, six, seven starts in a row. That lines them up for next for next year real well. Absolutely, get your feet good and wet because mm-hmm. you're coming and we need you. Yeah, and, and so you saw Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese both go through some struggles last year. Yeah, this year they're looking much more steady. They're looking yeah. you know more comfortable out there. Yeah. And so they've been they've been baptized by fire a little bit, and yeah. now they look like legit major league pitchers out there. So we could be looking at these other guys a year from now saying the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, so let's wind up to so triple uh, for El Paso. Jeff Sanders of the UT interviewed Cal Quantrill, uh, who was sent down yesterday to make room for bullpen help, and Gerardo Reyes, who was just throwing BBs high up in the zone yesterday. It looked amazing. Uh, interviewed Cal, and so I got a little bit of this here. Take us through your call-up story, Cal. I was actually walking in the field with my roommate, Fernando Rodriguez Jr. We had a day a game when I got the call. We were supposed to go get coffee, but I was freaking out too much, and he was congratulating me. I ended up walking to the clubhouse and celebrating there. It was nothing too exciting. We were in Vegas for uh, an away series. I proceeded to call all the family and let everyone know it was a blast. You look like you could swing a little bit in the box on Wednesday, too. Yeah, I can swing it a little bit. 
but facing 97 from the left side from Max Fraid. Uh, in my first at bat, wasn't exactly what I was looking forward to. <laughs> Welcome to the bigs, kid. Uh, but I think I can hold my own. At the very least, I can get my bunts down. That's the goal. Uh, I got to watch him in spring training. I, I saw all the pitchers taking batting practice, and him and Paddock. Those guys can both swing a lot, swing the lumber. They look like they know what they're doing when they step in a box. Chris does, like, yeah. Chris has a swing. Um, Mogavichus and Joey Lucchese, not so, not so much, but that's okay. That's okay. Just giving those guys a little hard time. Their job is to pitch. Right, absolutely. Um, you visited Petco Park after signing in 2016. How different of a pitcher are you now that than the day you signed? Uh, I think the pitcher I was in 2016 probably was the same amount of talent that I have now, but we needed to do a lot of refining. I was coming off surgery. It was a lot longer road than I or anyone expected or hoped. There were some twists and turns to figure out stuff. I think I'm a little more of a complete package. I've got the ability to manage a game better than I had before. I think I've been able to refine some of the skills I have, fine-tune them to the big league level. Hopefully, we'll stick around here and show what all that work was for in the minor leagues. When his second start went very well, he had a rough first inning, and then after that, he settled in and yeah. did a good job. Yeah. Um, you hit a rough patch last summer in San Antonio. How difficult was it for you? I wasn't feeling very well. I just couldn't seem to get everything synced up. It felt like I had solved one issue and two more would pop up. With the exception of very few players, almost everyone goes through some struggles. I had mine at a tough point. I kind of felt like it was turning. It, it was a turning point in my career, and it was frustrating that I was battling so hard. In the end, I came out on top and proved that I can face some adversity and beat those challenges. I wouldn't go back and change anything. It's just a part of the experience. Thank God it's Thank God it's done. And that's some of the stuff I was talking about. Like, as much as we want these guys to just blow doors and it not be hard and not any adversity, baseball, makeup, and I was listening to it when David J. was talking on the uh, Kept, Kept Faith podcast. It's like, you need to fail. Like, we want these guys to have some adversity because we want them to get better. Um, you know, he was talking about Luis Urias. Like, he's been the best player on the field since since using diapers, now he gets to a point where he's struggling. It just happens to be in the major leagues. Mm -hmm. um, what happens when you start to struggle is really what makes the difference to make the adjustments. Um, so that trial of fire, you know, like Logan Allen said it, Cal said it, we witnessed it where it's, they're going to be better pitches for it. They're, it's not, you know, the lows aren't going to be so low. Maybe they're, you know, he said it sucked then. And at a pivotal point in my career, double A, when he should be starting to really do well, he kind of, you know, he kind of hit the hit the rocks there. But he'll be a better pitcher. Absolutely. So moving on to Amarillo. We're going to uh, move on to Amarillo. Our, our single feature here. Uh, on Friday, Andres Munoz drove in a tie-breaking run with his first professional hit against the Springfield Cardinals. Munoz had pitched a scoreless sixth inning and with the score tied at three when Philip Wellman allowed the 20-year-old to hit for himself. John Conniff, who's in Amarillo, uh, he was asked why he hit for himself and Philip replied, he, he let him hit because it's part of his development plan. Not hitting, but having him get used to throwing more than one inning. Yeah. So Andres Munoz has been throwing very well in his last handful of games. And there's been some some chatter on Twitter about calling him up. And I took a look, and it turns out he's going to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft this coming December. 
So even if they don't get him onto the roster this year, they'll have good incentive to do that because a reliever that throws 100 miles an hour, any team in the league would see that and go, I can do something with that. So there's a good chance that he would be plucked from the Padres organization. So I say if you're going to wait until November to add him, if you need to do it by then, you might as well do it before the end of the season. Bring him up, give him a couple innings and see what you got. And you can really... You can just spot start him. You can, I'm not spot start him. You can throw him. You can hide him in the bullpen. Yeah, and put him in for garbage time, or you know, have him as a mop up guy, get an inning here or there. But but Gerardo Reyes looked darn good yesterday. You know, I don't think, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think if Andres Munoz comes up, we need him. Here's another weapon. Yep. It seems like every game this. there hasn't been a whole lot of garbage time. No, it's it's been close games no. all the way throughout. And we need to see if these guys can pitch. We need to see if these guys can hit the major league level. It's this is what I love about this organization is they are not afraid to move these guys up aggressively. And if if you can play, get them up to the bigs. Fernando Tatis, you know, Toronto Reyes, Chris Paddock, all these guys. If you can play, let's see if you can do it. Well, those three guys that you mentioned, they all have swagger. They've got this they've got something something to them that just there's a fire yeah. and they get out there and they're and did, did you see Gerardo Reyes outfit on the to get on the airplane? He's got style. Yeah. <laughs> he had this like this this like burgundy blazer and his shirt all unbuttoned and his glasses on. <laughs> so, but these guys they've got they've got the attitude that they bring out to the mound with them. And and that can carry. That you go yeah. up there and you know I know my stuff's good. You you you're standing there. It's the same game that we're playing in Double A. Yeah. You're standing there with the bat and I've got a ball and you're not going to hit this. So here. Here it is. Well, and, and another thing and this has now become so minor. He's Mexican. So he's a marketable guy. If we bring him up, we had Luis Urias up. There's that. There's Gerardo Reyes as well. Right. Gerard, yeah. These guys, we can market them to Tijuana and below and have fans come across the border to go to more games. Mm-hmm. Cross-pollination of, um, there's even some minor talk of Mexico getting a major league team in the in the near, in, in the distant future. Um, but that's. That's something else we can get another part of the fan base here in San Diego and the region excited, having guys are there from Mexico, um, and he got us hit. That was the fucking bad. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> first professional at bat. This is how it's done. Yeah. So uh, now when Reyes was up yesterday, Gerardo Reyes he pitched again. He got one out. Yeah. Came and his spot came up in the order and he batted and then he came back up and he pitched another inning. Do you think he had any idea that he was gonna pit gonna hit, hit that game? You no, know, I don't. I wonder oh. whose gloves and whose bat he and whose helmet he was using oh. up there. If he had his own, I'm, I want to ask somebody now. We got to. I'm sure we we'll got to find out somehow. Tomorrow's game, uh, when they go over the next game, that the last game that they played, we'll see if they uh, if they ask who whose bat whose bat he borrowed. Because if you ever picked up a major league bat, this is freaking heavy. Like I have a my rec bat is not heavy. Um, some of the guys on my team swing pretty heavy bats, but you see a major league bat, it is freaking heavy. Uh, very barrel loaded, very end loaded, but going under double. So in that game, Springfield tied it up at the top of the ninth inning to go into extras. Then they scored a go ahead run in the top of the eleventh to set up a walk off two run shot from Hudson Potts, and it sounded like this. Two one, swing and a drive, deep right field. Did he get enough? Yes, he did. A Hodgetown homer to end it. Hudson Potts a walk off two one homer. 
Was that the first walk-off in Hodgetown history? It was the first walk-off in Hodgetown history. Oh, yeah. From our very own Huddy Potts. So, uh, Hudson Potts clubbed three more extra base hits, including his fifth homer of the year last Monday. After a brutal start to the season, the 20-year-old infielder has been on fire over the last 10 days. Perhaps the most encouraging sign during the stretch uh, that he's raised more than, his OPS more than 200 points is that he struck out only six times yeah. and only twice in his last 24 yeah. plate appearances. Yeah. So that was when he came up last year. That was by far the biggest dent in his armor was that strikeouts, the strikeouts. Yeah. And he started off not looking very good in that. But hopefully, hopefully he's turning a corner here. Yeah. And it, it's great that you know, there's going to be some steps forward, steps back. Um, the strikeouts are a big, big thing. But once again, it's 20 years old. Yeah. 19. I think he's 20. He's 20. He's 20 years old. I think he's the youngest guy in the league. If not Adrian Morhone or him, or they're both incredibly young for Double A, and if he's turning the corner now, even if it's just a slight turn in the corner, a little bit of tweak in mm-hmm. the in the statistics, um, that's huge. When you talk about struggle and then working through it, persevering and learning how yeah. to how to believe in yourself and make adjustments, yeah, and, and that, that's what the that's what they want to see these guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a home run for Amarillo. Uh, literally, well, it's three home runs, more like it. Sunday, Edward Oliveira's hit three home runs and eight five win over the Arkansas Travelers. Oliveira's twenty three hit his first one off the center field wall and sprinted around for the team's second inside the park homer of the year. The first being our friend of the podcast. I don't remember that one. Oh, buddy. Buddy Reed. Oh, buddy Come. Reed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sprinted around the team's second inside the park homer of the year, uh, going with a more conventional route with two bombs over the left field fence. Uh, six of his Texas League best eight homers have come in the friendly environs of Hodgetown, uh, whereas OPS, whereas 1.22 OPS dwarfs the 689 mark he's managed in 14 away games. Yeah, we're quickly seeing that Hodgetown is a hitter's park. His park. I wonder if they're going to, any, like how Petco was more of a pitcher's park uh, before all the buildings around it. I know it's that Hod, the, the field is built downtown. I think they're building up some hotels around it. Yeah, there's a lot of development going on down there. Maybe some of that will mess with the uh, the airflow, which I think it did at Petco. Still yeah, but they're dr- not building skyscrapers. Right. Right. And, and and I don't know what you can do about a little bit of elevation, uh, but maybe they'll install a humidor like they did at, uh, what was that, Chase Field? They, they did that a couple years ago. They did do that. Uh, let's move on to Lake Elsinore. Uh, single for Lake Elsinore. In a game where he will have a separate bonus episode. We're going to have a separate bonus episode because I went up there and talked to a bunch of guys. Uh, Jason Rosario went four for four with three doubles and inside the park homer to collect as many total bases as he has in his last 15 games. Uh, the sudden power outburst, which jumped his OPS from 519 to 622, included just his fifth home run in 198 professional games. Rosario has had great defensive tools, shown his strong eye at the plate, but his power has always been that drawback. If Rosario can hit the ball hard to go with his lifetime 372 OP, OBP, he'll be a serious weapon. Uh, this year, he's drawn a lot of walks, but he hasn't been making a whole lot of contact right. so far. So he's, you know, once again, this is development. These guys are developing, and you know, it's not a complete package right now. But it's nice to see him get a good game. Well, um, and it's something that we don't really think about is the 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 culture shock that I mean, you have to move to a new place and get your living situation figured out, get your feet on the ground, get familiar with new coaches and new teammates. Yeah. Uh, as well as adjusting to a different level, different ballparks, and all that stuff. 
So maybe it's understandable that a lot of these guys have a rough month to start off their season and then finally start clicking. Yeah. Uh, double Sunday, Mackenzie Gore, this last Sunday, um, Sunday before last, pardon me, was dealing the 24-year-old used 74 pitches to get through five full innings Sunday. Through six outings, Gore leads the offensive happy cow league with a 1.15 ERA and an absurd 40% strikeout rate. <clears throat> I'm sorry. The opponents have managed just a 142 average against him, and that sealed another MLB Pipeline's Team of the Week selection. Over that week, he was 1-0 with a .96 ERA uh, over two games, nine and a third innings pitched, only three hits, one earned run, three walks to 18 strikeouts with a .64 whip. In the 28 outs, dude, 18 of them have been strikeouts. <laughs> he, he's just dealing. So it makes you think he's not going to be long for the league. It's, he's not. He's putting up better numbers now than Chris Paddock was yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Because he's through, I think, six starts so far. Yeah. And I was looking it up today. Chris Paddock made the move from single A to double A on June 5th yeah. of last year. Yeah. And, uh, and that was after making 10 starts. And... So Mackenzie Gore would make his 10th start, I think, on May 28th. I think I had it figured out because they're on a straight six-day. Yeah. Every sixth day, they're making a start, and yeah. it's it's been very consistent so far. Um, they've had a couple off days scattered in there, and they've had Leisure used as a as a um, piggyback yeah. on Tom Cosgrove a couple times. Um, but yeah, swing man, I, I saw on Twitter. Yeah, but you you better get up there before the end of the month, or you might not see him at all. So he's yeah. scheduled to start on Saturday. Okay. That's going to be his next start. Uh, there's some weather coming into the area over the weekend, so I don't know if that game's going to happen. But if it does, he should be on the mound. Yeah, and and so I've been to his last two starts at at Lake Elsinore, and Sam Guinea's been there, including this last Tuesday, every start. Really? Um, he's there, and he was there for the Platino uh, start this last week. So he's spending a lot of time in Lake Elsinore, and you're right. By the end of this month is when. You know who can and who can't play in various levels, and then guys start moving up, and then the All Star game happens, uh, and then we start seeing some, you know, then we start getting to halfway through the season. But this is the first full month of um, minor league baseball. Interesting. So, so I was looking at his game scores. So Bill James came up with a stat called the game score, where they look at how many batters they faced, and how many hits, and how many outs, and all that stuff. And every game that Gore has started, he's had a game score above sixty which is excellent. Um, and even as well as Chris Paddock did last year, he had a couple of clunkers in his first six starts. Yeah. One was like 55 and one was like 35 where he just gave up like four earned runs and he was done after like three and two thirds innings. Right. And Gore hasn't had a single one of those. And now we've both attended at least one of his starts. And in the first inning, he's kind of all over the place. Yeah. And then after that, it's just, he's, sailing so smooth. smooth but the stuff is so filthy that even when he's not hitting his spots they just can't hit it yeah yeah he's he's clearly above his level right now and uh we'll see what happens in double a which i think there'll be some modicum maybe a little bit of dip but maybe not i you know had it kept on cruising like when he went up yeah. last year and i wouldn't be surprised to see gore do the same thing yeah. When he starts hitting his groove, he's hitting his spots. He's got the stuff. He, he's got the presence. It's all there. He dominates the day. He dominates the day. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Fort Wayne. Uh, get you guys out wait, of wait, here. Wait, you just skipped the triple. I just oh So Sunday, God. while McKenzie yes. was dealing on the mound against the Jayhawks, I'm catcher so sorry, Jalen, Jalen Washington had a huge day as well. The Ohio State Buckeye hit his first two homers of the year and collected more than twice the total bases he had coming into the contest. 
a favorite among teammates for his role in the clubhouse. Washington posted a 699 for Fort Wayne in his full, for, first full season last year. That must be 699 OPS, yeah. I'm assuming. The 24-year-old also had a pretty pickoff, snapping a throw to first to pick off the first Jet Hawks base runner of the game of the fourth inning. So he's the oldest position player on the roster. Yeah. Um, I think he's kind of there to be uh, um, Campusano's backup, if you will. Right. But Even with Cantor in a way. But yeah, maybe. Uh, but with Campusano being a little bit hurt, he's had some opportunities to play. Uh, but he's he's a very likable guy. He's a very affable person. He's also very bright, uh, hardworking kind of a person. So right. he's definitely there to set an example and be a bit of a leader. Uh, seeing him have a good day, that's... That's nice too. It was good. I saw him in, in the clubhouse and I'm like, ah, oh, it's Jalen Washington. God damn, I need to talk to that guy. But you see him interacting with everybody. Yeah. And he's just, he's talking to everybody. He's, he's, which, he's, which, which goes to show, you know, which kind of tells me, and, and, and God, don't take this the wrong way if you're listening to this, at 24 year old and high A, um, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy ends up being a coach. Well, I, so who, who's the AJ, AJ Kennedy? He's a catcher that's been in the Padres system for a long time. Yeah. And he's still with the Padres. And he's never sniffed the big leagues. I think he's had a little bit of time in AAA. Uh, Rocky Gale was another one before yeah. him. These guys, that they they carve out a career being a catcher in the big in the minor leagues. And they stick it out. And maybe one day they get a cup of coffee. They got a cup of... Well, Rocky got his cup of coffee with us, obviously, a couple of times. And then hit that killer bomb off Bumgarner, I think it was. I was there that day. I don't remember who, oh. it, who it was against, I know but it was, I was there. I think it was off Bumgarner. Yeah. Um, and... Then he got, then he got, then we released him, and then he got picked up by the Dodgers and was with the Dodgers, got a cup of coffee with those guys, I think last year. Um, but yeah, just one of those, you know, organizational guys that you need in, in you need in the clubhouse, you need in the organization. Yeah. But then at the same time, catchers tend to mature later. Later. The bat comes along later. So who knows? Maybe, maybe he starts doing something and yeah, goes somewhere. And I, I met no disrespect with that. I just, it, it's one of those things where this could be a coach. Um, but moving on to Fort Wayne, uh, for the single, Joey Cantillo had a bounce back outing. Joey Cantillo bounced back from a pair of clunkers. Uh, and all this, uh, this is, I don't know who wrote this in Mad Friars, but this came from Mad Friars. Um, most of this stuff came from Mad Friars. Um, to throw his best game of the year, the Hawaiian Southpaw pitched five shutout innings, allowing just two hits and two walks while striking out eight batters. Cantillo lasted just three and a third innings in his previous two starts. Now, Cantillo's stuff has been good as he's averaged nearly 15 strikeouts per nine innings in the 16.2 innings that he has thrown in 2019. I caught a couple of those clunkers, and then I caught this last game with uh, with with him uh, pitching for, for the Tin Caps, and at the end of the game, I just I texted him and said, "Great, great game, dude." And then later on, he uh, he bounced. He called. He texted back saying, "Thanks." So he had eight strikeouts in five innings. the The appearance before that, it was two and two thirds innings with. Four earned runs, four walks, and only four strikeouts. Yeah, I think that was shortened by rain, too. I think he was having a bad game, and then it started to rain, and they're like, whoop, they pulled the plug. All right, so I'm a big Star Wars guy. I, I mentioned game score. His game score for that last start was 69. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> okay, let's go back to high school. Um, for the double on on uh, for Fort Wayne, okay, so here's the thing. With the fourth, of, fourth of May of 4th came up. May the 4th be with you. May big Star Wars guys. I love all the Star Wars, um, and all the teams had their Star Wars uniforms. Uh, they auctioned them off. So, like the Columbia Fireflies, um, 
the Oxnamoff for Make a Wish Foundation in the area. The Cedar Rapids Colonels have the Yoda on the front. Uh, they're going to auction those off with a lightsaber, which is kind of cool. Um, they're going to auction those off for the American Cancer Society. The Tennessee Smokies had a cool Luke Skywalker uniform. They're auctioning them off for the local United Way. But the cool Star Wars uniform, by far, was our very own Fort Wayne tin caps. It had the Episode Four Luke Skywalker pointing the blaster with Princess Leia having the blaster. Um, Darth Vader was in it. Like it's the it's the old school Star Wars poster that was on the very front. You are very excited about this poster. I was well. That was the Star Wars of my youth. That was that was Luke. I was Luke. I was Luke Skywalker. We're gonna have to write to the folks in uh, in Fort Wayne and see if they can. Get one of those posters sent off for you. Well, no, it's the shirt was on the shirt. I want oh. one of the shirts. Oh, well, it then get on the, on the auction. Well, I, you know, I there's that's just I I can't, don't I can't go into my personal finances. I still well, got taxes to pay. Jesus Christ. Well, put in some extra time on the weekends. I really got to start driving a little more for Uber and Lyft more than uh, the Monday. Are, are you on strike right now? By the way, no. Apparently, there's some big strike. The Uber and Lyft people are striking, trying to get more money. Yeah, they're crying. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I drive for the amount of time that I drive. I make roughly about 200 bucks to 188 last week from 5 a.m. to like 11, 1130. Um, that's all I need. That's all I do. And I don't care what it takes. And See, I, you, could, you could buy like two or three jerseys with that. I know, but it really just pays the car payment. You know, it's like <laughs> one fourth of my car payment. Actually, it's one half of my car payment, but I digress way off the topic. Um, so they, um, so the four one two caps, they're also going to uh, auction off their uh, their uniforms. Their, thank you very much. They're not uh, costumes; they're uniforms. Right. Okay, so at the at the game, they had a local chapter of the five hundred and second legion. Legion, sorry. So this is like national Star Wars chapters. Where they all dress like Star Wars guys. Some are Chewbacca. Some are like Stormtrooper guys. Um, you know, a lot of them are Princess Leia looking and Luke Skywalker looking ones. But they had a, a Gamorrean. Now, a Gamorrean, I had to look this up because I'm not that much of a nerd. But the Gamorrean is in Return of the Jedi. And they're one of those green guys. That the green looking guys with the big teeth uh, at Jabba's lair. For Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi, pardon me. Oh, okay, yeah, they kind of look like pigs. Uh, yeah, like I've a boar. never seen that before. And so they had one of those guys at the uh, in Fort Wayne, so I thought that was cool as hell. Um, kind of nerding out. You know, the Sod Poodles, I love you guys, uh, but they had the R2-D2 uniforms, which were kind of cool, but like when I saw those Fort Wayne tin caps uniforms, I was like, that's, that's lit. That's really <laughs> nice. That, that's that's lit, fam. That's lit, fam. Are, are you trying to to reach out to the younger demographic? I, I work for a college. I need yeah, younger kids. Yeah, the twenty somethings. Yeah, lit. It's lit. All right then. Oh my god. All right. Yeah. So for our triple, we are off the chain. Last Wednesday, the Tin Caps snapped a four-game losing streak, scoring a season high nine times in the fifth inning. After falling behind four to one in the top of the fifth, the bats came alive. Fort Wayne's nine-run fifth inning featured four separate RBI doubles. Ruiz had the biggest blow of the inning. That would be Agustin Ruiz. Yes. Driving in three with a bases-clearing double into the left center field gap. First first baseman Nick Gatewood, center fielder Juwan Harris, and second baseman Xavier Edwards also had RBI doubles in the explosive fifth inning. The fifth inning marked the most hits, seven the Caps have put up in an inning this season. Edwards finished the game five for five at the plate, his first five-hit game as a professional and the first five-hit game for the Tin Caps this season. 
Fort Wayne last had a five-hit game on August 27th, 2018, when Gabriel Arias hit for the cycle in a five-for-six performance in South Bend. The bullpen did their share. Adrian Martinez and Tom Coletti tossed four combined scoreless innings with four strikeouts. Martinez pitched three of the innings while Coletti finished off the win with a one-two-three ninth inning. So great game for Xavier Edwards. Yeah, he's been on fire. He really has been on fire. We talked about him last episode. It seems like every episode we had to talk about Xavier Edwards. Um, if he can, they had to find a role. I mean, they're gonna. There is a space for him on a major league team. I know it's a ball. I know that's a very large gap. But we're talking about the size. We're talking about durability. Um, and and I have some other things in here that I wanted to talk you, you about. You say size and durability. That usually makes me think of of a large. Right. Larger person, well, but he's a compact individual. He's a compact individual, and with the smaller guys, the big thing with the major league teams, and this went with D. Gordon. This went with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Altuve is like they're they're small guys. Are they going to be able to 162 grind season for the major league club? Well, he'll show that this year. It's a 144 game season in the minors. Yeah, uh, but with the speed and the bat to ball skills that he's got. It's just raking. Yeah. He's so raking. So he might be somebody, even though he's one of the youngest players in the league, he still might be somebody that we see pop up to single A. So I've been, or uh, advanced single A, like Elsinore. Yeah. So I saw last week that Gabriel Arias and Kelvin Malion both hit the DL. I don't know what, do, do you have Gabriel information? Gabriel Arias is back. He's back? Okay. Seven day, uh seven day IL. In this next episode, we're going to have, I, I talked to coach about that, uh, Tony Tarasco about it. Um, and then today he came back off the DL. He's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. And well, uh, hopefully it's the same thing with Kelvin Melian. But when you see those kinds of things where a couple guys get injured and they're right. going to be out for a week, that's when it opens up an opportunity for somebody to jump up. Yeah. And then you jump up, you have a good week, and then you don't go back down. Right. And then you stay there and they find room for you. Um, so that's you know, so that's the rundown for that's, for, that's the affiliate rundown. So do you have plans to go back up to Lake Elsinore anytime soon? Not um, not. They don't, they're out of town next week, um, maybe in the next three weeks or so. Um, I work early on Tuesdays. I I leave work right after that. I get up there way in time to uh, get a cup of coffee, and you're going to kind of notice I had a cup of coffee for this uh, for my interviews. It's not that bad, but for me, I'm like, oh, it's kind of spazzy there. Man, I don't know if I can imagine you on some coffee. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but I'm going to get up there again and talk to some guys. I'm thinking maybe talking to Jason Rosario. Um, I wouldn't mind talking to uh, Mason Thompson. Uh, and uh, to kind of catch up with those guys. With Alex up there, the the intern, she's doing a great job. Mason Thompson struggled a little bit he, this year, so I'm, I'm curious to hear what, a lot he's, a bit. what he's going through. And that's kind of why I haven't really wanted to talk to him lately. I just, you know, I don't want to, because any of those questions you don't want to ask. You know, I'll ask the coach about it and have his point of view, but, you know, I don't want to talk to guys when they seem to be working through stuff. And um, Well, but maybe he's working on something. And that's taking him away from his normal game plan right, or something right. like that. He is coming back from injury. He missed all of last year. That's with, true. I don't think he had surgery, but he had some like sh- shoulder inflammation or something along those lines. Uh, and he, I was, I follow him on Instagram and all yeah. off season, he was showing videos of him working, throwing bullpens, you just lifting weights and all this kind of stuff. So it's clear he's been putting in the work to get right, back and right. he looks good. Spring training. He was on fire. He was, he was on fire. We're like, all right, Mason Thompson, let's get it. Let's yeah. get it. And High nineties heat, you know, then whatever they're doing in Lake Elsinore, it's, it's not translating on the field yet. And that, and that's fine. But I, I'm trying to, I kind of wanted to stay away from him until he got a little success. Well, maybe by the time you have a chance to get back up there, 
he'll have found a groove and then right. you can talk about happier things. Right. Well, maybe I should talk to him and give him the podcast mojo. Yeah. Maybe that's what he needs. That could be. <laughs> well, you might not have a chance to talk to Mackenzie Gore by then. No. He's starting on Saturday and then a couple more and he might be out of here. Well, I think the next chance I have a chance, maybe in two weeks, his shirts will be here. So I, I, oh, ordered, right. I ordered him the shirts a couple, like about a week ago. And I got another week. They should be in the mail here in the next week or so. And I got to get them up there to them. And that's going to be kind of cool. So the shirt is brown with a yellow and white logo. Yep. It says dominate the day. And it's got his his profile in white. Yeah. And then on the back in white, right underneath the neck, it said Friars on the Farm. Congratulations on figuring out how to shrink that down, by the way. Yeah, it was a struggle for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you overcame your technical difficulties and... You persevered. Yeah. Just just like a, a ball player making his way up to the next level and struggling, you, you've acquired a new skill. I have several hours to figure it out. <laughs> it took me only about 20 minutes, but... So we've got these shirts up there. It's on T-Chip on the... Uh, check Donovan's... Um, the Fires on the, the Farm the, podcast uh, Twitter page. It's uh, Mackenzie, com or whatever. Uh, Gore, Dominate. Dominate the day. Yeah, Dominate the day. Uh, they're 25 bucks. All the money is going every, literally every red cent is going to go to the Lake Elsinore Booster Club. Um, I have, while I was up there, I'm going to talk a little bit about this in the next episode, is I talked to Luis Patino doing something similar for him as well. And um, I wait for him to get back to me. You know, he said he was going to talk to his, uh, he's going to talk to his agent. Uh, for him, I'm thinking more of, well, I mentioned to him either we can do the Lake Elsinore Booster Club or we can choose. He's from Columbia. He he's not a bonus baby. Uh, maybe we can send the money up to a charity. Uh, maybe hell, he can send the money back to his family. Um, well, our what we raise is going to go to the Booster Club, and they distribute it to the players, right, in one form or another. For the Mackenzie Gore shirt, yeah. For the Mackenzie Gore shirt, for the Luis Patino. Um, I mentioned that we can do this for Booster Club, but then I, I mentioned him on Instagram saying, if you want, you know, maybe I was just a little, feeling a little weird, but like if you wanted to do a charity, because he's from Columbia and yeah. he has that heart where I'm not sure he'll take the money or, you know, or, well, or and I don't, he will I don't, I don't feel Club. right giving it directly to the player. We'd have to go like through an agent and there's all kinds of rights and all. I No, I like the idea of donating to a charity that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got a heart of gold. And yeah. so you know that there's people that he wants to help. Yeah. So I, I he's going to talk to his agent, get back to me, and he may say no. And if he says no, that's fine. It, it's not uh, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But the Mackenzie Gore thing is absolutely freaking awesome. Yeah, I've got it pulled up in front of me here. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy Matt, the uh, social media guy. I, I owe him a shirt. He's been super cool with me going up there. And I'll mucked up on coffee. And he's been great. Like, uh, so I'm going to get him a shirt because I, I appreciate what he's been doing for us in the podcast. And we're going to talk more about that in my interviews with uh, Tirso Ornelas. I talked to Luis Pitino after his start on Tuesday. And I talked to Tony Tarasco on a little bonus episode here coming up. So you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Until then, go Padres. Go Padres. <laughs>